Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Yeah. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, I'd like to ask uh, everyone to, to take a seat except those that are um, in the military, active or retired. Please stand if you are in the military, you're still active or you are retired. Let's look around the room and give them one more hand. Yeah. And if you guys can remain standing. From us, I just want to tell you guys, thank you. Thank you for um, your sacrifice. Scripture says that there's no greater love for a man to lay down his life for a friend. And so we thank you for sacrificing your lives, sacrificing your time, your energy, your health, time away from your family, all those things that you, you sacrifice every time you put that uniform on. Um, we thank you so much for that. And we have freedoms. We're able to do this. I'm able to stand up here today and bring the word because of the sacrifices that you guys have made. And so I just want to thank you from us, from uh, the staff here at Tree of Life and from your Tree of Life family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen, amen. And really quick before we get started, um, if you've watched the news, uh, I'm sure you've heard and saw about everything that has gone on down in Sutherland Springs. And so we're going to take a moment and we're going to uh, we're going to pray, um, you know, for that whole situation there. But what I want to tell you, and I said the same thing this morning, is that we live in an evil world. There is an enemy that is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And what I want you to know is that what, what happened down in Sutherland Springs is not as a result of our father. There is nothing but goodness in him. He's not punishing anyone. He's not doing anything evil against anyone. It's the enemy. The Bible tells us that he is the ruler of this world. God is not in control of this world. God is only in control of what we give him control over. The enemy is in control of this world, and so evil things happen. It's not God, it's the enemy. And so we are going to pray. We're going to pray for uh, that entire situation. But I wanted to make sure that I, that I said that because, you know, oftentimes when bad things happen, God gets a bad rap. You know, he gets a, a bad rap as if he's doing this, and, you know, but God isn't doing that. He's not in the business of taking lives. He's only in the business of saving lives, which is why he sent his son. Amen. So, uh, and what I, also what I want you to know is that we as Tree of Life, we will be contributing um, to efforts down in, in Sutherland Springs at the church and all those things going on down there. So we want you to know that, that your church, that we will be uh, contributing. We always can't be there physically, but we can do something. Um, even if it's just a prayer, but if it's just financially a dollar or something, we can do something. And so we want you to know that your church is doing that. Um, but bow your heads and we're going to pray. Father, I thank you so much that your presence is here. Thank you for constantly reminding us that you are good. 
You are a good God. There is nothing but good in you, nothing but love and compassion, nothing but peace and joy. You are good. There is no evil in you. And God, we pray right now for those families, of those that uh, lost their lives and those that were wounded down in Sutherland Springs. God, we pray for that church. We pray for that community. Father, we pray for Pastor Frank right now as he leads and comforts his congregation right in the middle of his own grief, losing his daughter, yet he still has to lead that church. So we pray for him right now, Father. Father, we pray for the, the family of the shooter. There's not too many people will do that, but we pray for them, Father. They're suffering ridicule, and criticism, and all those different things, and anger and hate. But God, we pray for them as well, that you cover and you keep them and you protect them and you give them peace. Father, we trust you for your comfort, your promise, and your guidance for all of those that are affected. And God, ultimately, that the name and gospel of Jesus Christ would be magnified even in this tragedy. Tragedy. We thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God is a good and faithful God. One more thing before we get started. Uh, you saw on, on the announcements about our Thanksgiving outreach coming up this, uh, this week. Um, if you have an opportunity, we'd love to have you here from 10 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. It's one of the best things that, uh, that we do here at Trey, at least in my opinion. I love doing it. I love seeing the smiling faces and all of those good things and just being a help to someone else other than myself. And actually, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So if you have an opportunity to serve there, um, log on to our website or on the mobile app and sign up to serve, or you can stop by our Connect Center. And we've got uh, uh, some folks out there that will help you to get signed up. We need your help to love on our community. Amen? Amen, amen. All right. Define the relationship part two. You guys happy to be here today? Amen. Amen. Worship was amazing. And Pastor Don and Pastor Jessamy are still enjoying their vacation. They'll be back this week. And so we'll be excited to have them back. And uh, so make sure you come back next week. Um, Pastor Don will kick off uh, his new sermon, sermon series, Are We There Yet? Um, so you want to make sure that you come back for that. So last week, Pastor, Pastor Cody uh, started this two-part series, Define the Relationship, talking about coming and following Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus, what it looks like to follow him. And so I'm gonna pick, the, pick up here and still talk about following Jesus, but we're gonna talk about a different aspect of it. I'm gonna talk about two words that we all know we're very familiar with. And you know, as soon as I say it, you're gonna be able to identify as we preach through this and talk through this, you're gonna be able to identify where you are. We're gonna talk about convenience versus commitment. Convenience versus commitment. And when we hear that word convenience, and the definition of it in itself is fitting in well with a person's needs, involving little trouble or little effort. Something that's convenient for you, we, all, or we, we can also look at that as a comfort zone. You heard of that? When it's convenient, it doesn't take a lot of energy. It doesn't take a lot of effort. It doesn't hurt. You're not giving of anything. You're always thinking about self more so than you're thinking about someone else. But then to the contrast is the word commitment. And commitment defined is a state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, a vow, a promise, a pledge, an oath. Let's look at our theme scripture for this series, Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 36. 
And it reads, if you have your Bibles, Jesus said, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. But what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What Jesus is saying here is for whoever wants to save their life or live a life of convenience, who doesn't want to give anything, who doesn't want uh, to pay a price for anything, they just kind of want to float through life very easy. Listen, if you are living in that area of convenience, you will lose your life. But if you want to live a life that's fully committed to him, you'll save it. Now, that's not, Jesus is not saying that you're going to die physically. Jesus died once for all, for everyone, so we don't have to die, okay? But what he's saying here is, you've got to do something. You've got to be committed to me totally, a total commitment to Jesus. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, when you see that to to carry a cross, you know, I said this in first service, you're not going to literally walk around with a cross, that big old cross right there, you're not going to literally walk around with that cross on your back because they're going to call the peoples on you. They're going to lock you up, probably put you in one of those white jackets. You don't want to do that. Just take my, my advice. But what Jesus is saying here is, listen, it's got to cost you something. Jesus carried that cross. Do you think Jesus wanted to carry the cross? Do you think he wanted to go to that cross? He didn't because if you look in the scripture, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this. I know what this is costing me. I know the separation that I'm experiencing as a result of this. I know the pain and the suffering that I'm going to have to go through. And Father, I don't want to do this. But I believe that when he said that, when he made that prayer, and he opened his eyes, I believe he saw the faces of Tom and Lisa. He saw the faces of of John and Michelle and Marcus. He said, I've got to keep going through with this for their sake. It's not about me. Nevertheless, not my will, Father, but your will be done. Jesus was totally committed. It would have been convenient for Jesus to just walk away and say, you know what? I'm not doing this. I'm not going to do it. Jesus was fully human, just like you and I are. Fully human. He had an opportunity to make a choice, to make a decision, whether he was going to live a life of convenience or live a life of total commitment. And Jesus chose to be committed. And he's asking us to do that same thing every day. Deny yourself. Deny convenience. Take up your cross. Follow me. And what it means to carry the cross, it simply means to deny our selfish desire to do things our own way. To deny the desire to do stuff your way. And I love how Pastor Cody said that. He said God's plan, uh, God's way of planning is so much better than ours. When you commit your ways to him and all your ways, the scripture says, acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. Living the life of total commitment to Jesus and to the Father is denying yourself his desires to do things your way and to do it God's way. Let's look at Luke chapter nine, verse 23. In the Living Bible, 
Jesus says it's the same account, it's just a different perspective. He says, then he said to all, anyone who wants to follow me must put aside his own desires and conveniences and carry his cross with him every day. Say every day. Some of the time. Only when you feel like it. When uh, your stomach's not hurting. When you don't have a headache. When your spouse didn't make you upset. When the person cut you off and you wanted to Every day, we must pick up our cross. We must carry our cross and follow Jesus. Every single day, we must make the choice and the decision to walk in love whether we feel like it or not. Well, I don't feel like it today, Pastor Dave. Can I tell you, listen, I, said, I had this conversation with uh, a, a guy that I'm mentoring the other day, this week actually, and he said, you know, I just, I just don't feel, I just don't feel God. And I said, you know what? That's awesome. He was like, what do you mean? I said, aren't you glad that God doesn't interact with us based on our feelings? But he interacts with us based on our spirit. Because can I tell you, as a pastor here on staff, I don't wake up every morning feeling like I'm saved, but I know I'm saved. I don't wake up every morning feeling God with me, but I know that he's with me. Even though I don't feel it, I know he's there. And sometimes it takes a little dedication for me to get up and I'm praying and I feel just as dry as a McDonald's biscuit. (laughs) But even in the middle of that, I say, God, I don't feel you, but I know you're there and I know you're gonna feel me and I know you're with me. Isn't it awesome that God doesn't interact with us based on our feelings? I don't feel like living saved today. I don't feel like turning the other cheek. You hear what that person said about me, God? I don't feel like, I don't feel like it. I want to talk bad about them too. I got, some, I got some stuff. I got some dirt on them as well. I want to say some stuff. Living a life of convenience or commitment. Commitment is going to cost you something. And we have to daily choose to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him. In Matthew chapter 19, we see a very interesting story happen here. Verse 16, we're going to read this. It says, just then a man came up to Jesus, this is a rich man, and he asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? He's basically asking Jesus, listen, I've got all of this money. I've got all of it. Look at my bank account. Look at my bank statement. You see this? Yeah, I got some money. Who, who's, whose house can I pay for? What can I do? Who, who can I give some money to? Where can I put, where can I do that? Where can I show people that I've got something? What can I do that's convenient for me so that I can get eternal life? That's what he was asking Jesus. I'm just looking for something that's convenient. What can I do that's convenient for me? so that I can have eternal life. And then verse 17 through 20, Jesus goes on and he rambles through the commandments and he says, you know, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, love your neighbor as yourself. He says all of those things. And then the rich man says, well, I've been doing that since I was a kid. That's nothing. I got that in the bag. So now what's next? And Jesus said, okay. Verse 22. When the, or I'm sorry, 21. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, Go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. 
So what Jesus was telling him here is, listen, you're looking for something convenient, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you how to be totally committed. Everything that you have, give it away. Now, I believe that Jesus is a good guy. You, you all agree with that? And I believe if that man, had, that rich man, had just made a decision in his heart, that you know what? Okay, I'll do it. I believe Jesus would have let him keep his stuff. Because then Jesus knew that the stuff doesn't have him. He has the stuff. He's not looking for something that's convenient. He's committed to following me. Jesus looks at our heart. He doesn't, always look, he doesn't look at what the things that we do. Jesus looks at our heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, Scripture says. But God, the Father, looks at our heart. He was looking to see if his motives were right. Verse 22, it says, When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had a lot of money. Then Jesus said to the disciples, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, let me stop right there because so many times people see that scripture and they say, listen, if you got a lot of money, you're not going to heaven. That is not what that scripture is saying. That is not what that scripture is saying. Because listen, God wants you to prosper. God wants you to live in wealth. God wants you to have all your needs met. He wants you to live over and abundant. He wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. He wants you to live a life that's full of prosperity. That is God's plan and his will for your life. He doesn't want you to lack. He wants you to have everything you need and more so that you can be a blessing to someone else. But the reason Jesus was saying that here is because sometimes most people that have a lot of money, the stuff has them. And he's saying, listen, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven because the rich man feels like, I got everything. I don't need Jesus. I pay my own bills. Why do I need to pray? Why do I need to have faith in him when I've got all of this money? I don't need him. I don't need him. The stuff, I have the stuff. Jesus saying it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of the needle. But then what he says down a few verses, a few verses after that, he says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So let me free you up if you're rich in here. <laughs> if you got some money, you're going to heaven. Let me free you up. <laughs> but see me after church, I got some, uh, I may want to ask you to come to lunch with me. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'll pay for you at lunch. Convenience versus commitment. So Jesus was defining the kind of relationship that he wanted this rich young man to have. Ask yourself, is my commitment defined by myself or is my commitment defined by Jesus? Do I define how committed I am to Jesus? Well, what does that mean, Pastor Dave? Am I conveniently committed or am I totally committed? Well, I come on Sundays. I come one service and I come every single Sunday. Well, let me take it, let me go all the way back because the average person only comes to church once every three weeks, which is like, whoa, really? I come once a month, Pastor Dave. I don't serve, that's, isn't that good enough? Isn't that a check off on my, on my account, on my book? I come once a month, I'm here. Can I tell you, that's just convenient for you. It's not a total commitment. But you wanna know the great thing? Is that God loves you even still. It doesn't matter that, you know, I'm here, <laughs> I said this first service, five days a week, twice on Sunday, 
uh, twice on Wednesday. Whenever something else happens, we hear, you know, I'm on staff, so I'm always here. That doesn't matter. God doesn't love you any less because you only come once, once a month. Then he loves me because I'm here all the time. He loves you the exact same. So let me say that. But what God wants you to know is there's more. There's better. Partial commitment is no commitment at all. Either you're going to be all in or you're going to be all out. Even the scripture says, he said, I wish that you'd either be hot or cold. Be all in or all out. But if you're lukewarm and you're right in the middle, you're conveniently committed. You're living a life of convenience. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I'm looking for people that are totally committed. And sometimes when you're committed, it seems like you get weak. And you know the scripture says, don't be weary in well-doing because you will reap if you faint not. And in first, uh, I think first or second Chronicles, it says that God looks around for hearts that are fully committed to him to, him, to give them strength. Isn't that awesome? He looks, uh, he's looking around to see hearts that are totally committed to him so that he can strengthen them. So when you're getting weak in your commitment to God, he's looking to give you strength. Woo! Partial commitment is no commitment at all. And commitment is gonna require some things of you. It's gonna require some things of you. About two years ago, I started... uh, my fitness journey, and I was looking in the mirror one day, <clears throat> and I just, I didn't like what I saw, and my, Lala is so amazing, she was just like, oh, you look good, babe, you look good, and <laughs> she was trying to make me feel good, and, but I personally didn't like what I saw, and I said, I got to do something, I got to do something different about this, not just for me, but I'm looking at my kids, and I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see my kids have their kids, and I want to see my kids' kids have their kids. So there's something that I got to do on, on my end, and my daughter's never going to have kids because Jesus is going to come back before. Um, <laughs> she's not dating or anything. Jesus is coming back, I'm telling you. <laughs> and any dads with daughters, you know how I feel. <laughs> and I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> fitness journey. So I made this decision that, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to really just be committed to this. Now I was already, I was, I was working out based on convenience. I was working out once a week. You know, I may go twice on a good week, you know, um, and then I probably take another two weeks off and then I'll go back again and I'm paying, paying this membership and that uh, gyms get so much money out of people who just never show up. Listen, (laughs) if you're not going to show up, save your money, save your money. And then save the machines because when I come in and I'm, I'm committed and I'm there all the time and then you there, you don't even know what you're doing. It's like, you're not even gonna be here tomorrow. Just, no. <laughs> so I made the decision that I was gonna be committed. I was gonna be committed to going and, and, and going and working out because I saw that there was a better life, that I, can, I could look better, I could feel better about myself. I was tired of waking up, being 30-something years old, getting out of the bed, and my knees and my ankles are hurting. I was tired of that. So commitment requires, first, a realization that better is actually attainable. That I can actually have better. 
that what I have is not, not necessarily good enough. I can have better. But what convenience does is convenience confuses you and it influences you to believe that you don't have a need to be better. What I have right now is just good enough. I don't, ha- I don't have to have better. This is good enough. And I said this first service, so if I step on some toes here, I'm sorry. I'm doing it in love. I'm speaking the truth in love. But it's, that's, 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 that's the place that people that are cohabiting or living as Mary are, st- are living in. That's that place right there. This is good enough. I don't have to make that extra commitment. This is fine. This is good enough. This is good for me. Because at any point in time, you might make me mad. I can just pack my stuff up and I can leave. But when I make a commitment, there's a little bit more that I got to give. This right here is convenient. This is comfortable. I'll stay right here. But can I tell you something? God loves you so much and he's got so much better for you. He's got so much more. He's got so much better. The scripture even says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And not only does he find a good thing, but he gets favor from God. (laughs) You think you're experiencing favor now? Find a wife. You think you're experiencing a good life now? Get a wife because you will obtain favor from God when you make that total, something about that commitment, that vow to him. And you don't have to worry about going to spending out, spending, and this has absolutely nothing to do with this message. Go out spending a whole lot of money on a wedding and all of that. No, spend your time on the marriage. The marriage is more, more important. <laughs> Invest your time in that. Because you're gonna spend all this money on a wedding and on a reception for people to just come have a free party to have some food. They're probably not gonna bring you a gift anyway and then they're gonna go home and they're gonna forget about you. They're gonna forget the fact that you got married. They ain't gonna even think about that party or think about the dress that you had or think about all the money and the time and the arguments that you spent going, trying to get prepared for this wedding. They don't think about none of that. And then when you hit six months and there is a trouble coming in your, in your marriage, they're not gonna be there to pray for you. They still, again, they ain't even thinking about that wedding anymore. They're going on about their life. Invest your time in what matters and what matters is the marriage. Amen. Let me get back to this message. Hey, y'all stop that. That time is going down. Hey, uh, uh, I'll be cu- pause the clock. Give me a couple extra minutes and then start it back up. No. <laughs> Convenience confuses you. It influences you to believe you have no need to get better. And then convenience tells you that there is freedom in your comfort zone. That there's freedom here. Y'all people that are married, y'all in bondage. That's what they think. But can I tell you, listen, there is so much freedom in commitment. Even the scripture tells us that he whom the son sets free, when you commit to Jesus, listen, you are free indeed. There's freedom in commitment. So my fitness journey, I had a realization that better was attainable. And so I knew that I could, I could actually do something. I could actually have better. And now commitment requires a desire to want better. Now that I know that I can actually have better, I want that. I want better. I want to move out of this comfort zone and get into commitment. I want to move out of convenience into commitment. I want to move out just barely making it and barely getting some blessings to have those windows of heaven open over me. That's the kind of life that I want to live. A desire to want better. Because look at this. Better can't be achieved when you limit yourselves to the satisfaction of your comfort zones. 
You're not gonna be, you're not gonna see or experience better if you're just satisfied with this comfort zone. Where you are right now, we're just paying our bills, we're barely making it, I'm good right here. It's comfortable. Convenience, but commitment's gonna hurt. It's gonna cost you something. So commitment requires a realization that better is attainable, and then it requires a desire to want better. And the third point I actually stole from Pastor Cody, it requires a daily choice. You have to decide every day that you're going to be committed. We saw that in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It says that you have to carry your cross with you every day. And then he says, keep close to me. You've got to make a daily decision to follow Jesus every single day. Do you think I feel like getting up and going to the gym at 4.45 in the morning? No, I make a choice. I make the decision to not hit that snooze the third time. I make a decision to get up because I'm committed to it. Really quick, I got to tell the story again. I said, it's long story short, and I said the same thing first service. And if you know anybody that says long story short, just be there for a while because it's not going to be short. It's going to be a long story. They just tell you that to try to keep you, keep you engaged. So five years ago, uh, well, 10 years ago, my wife and I, we, uh, my family and I, we moved out of, out of, uh, out of Detroit. Moved to Charlotte, North Carolina with a six-month-old baby girl. We just knew that God told us that this is where we were going to go. And so we went and just trusted God for everything. I got a job the first time, well, the first week I was down there, like three days down there, I got a job. But it was a struggle. Five years ago, we were in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was working with Wells Fargo as an HR manager. And my wife and I had been having some discussions and we knew that God had, was, you know, we wanted to move to Texas. And initially, we wanted to move to Houston and, you know, go to Lakewood because we just love Joel Osteen. If you don't like Joel Osteen, I'm sorry. He's a great guy, and I really like him. (laughs) And he's going to heaven, too. (laughs) And so we were were watching, and I I told my wife, I said, look, I know you want to move, but I'm not going anywhere. The the last time we we moved, we struggled, and I'm not struggling that way again. It wasn't really a struggle. We were just, it was a faith walk, and we had to, we really learned how to trust and believe God. We wasn't calling people and trying to manipulate people like, we need some money. Can you help us out? You know, our, our income had, had, you know, dropped drastically. Probably, I think it was like about $60,000. We took it that, that, about that big of a pay cut. And so our outgo was about, was half of what, or, or our outgo was two times what we were getting in. And we just trusted and believed God. Nothing ever got cut off. Nothing ever uh, got repossessed. We always had food in our, in our, in our fridge. Uh, my baby girl always had formula. But you know, the one thing that we never stopped, we never stopped tithing. No matter what, we always tithe. And I know that at the point that we stopped tithing, we probably would have experienced some lack there. But because we were tithing, because we were doing Malachi 3.8 and we were testing God at his word, he opened up windows of heaven and poured blessings out on us so that, such that we couldn't have room enough to receive. We built a house. We did all some, some great things. But anyway, let me get back to it. And so I got five minutes. Pause the clock, Abby. Uh, so, so I told her, I said, we got, I got to have a job. Somebody's got to move us. Uh, this house that we've got, we've got to sell it or somebody's going to have to rent it. We've got all of these, de- I had all of these things that, you know, that needed to happen in order for me to move. And I'm not moving until it happens. So one, uh, one morning, we, Sunday morning, we were, this, we were in transition from churches and we were watching uh, uh, Lakewood, their live stream. 
sitting in our dining room uh, on my laptop and watching it. And Israel Holden ha- happened to be preaching this Sunday. And he was talking about giving God your yes. And we're still talking about this message about making a daily choice. I didn't forget. <laughs> he was talking about giving God your yes. And he said when he first got married to his, his, his first wife, he said he would wake up every morning and he would just tell her, I'm sorry. And after a while, she was like, why do you keep telling me you're sorry? He said, because I know at some point in time today, I'm gonna do something that, that I'm gonna need to say sorry for. So I've already gotten my sorry out of the way. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. God told him, he said, listen, why don't you wake up in the morning and give me your yes? That way, when I ask you to do something throughout the day, you've already given me your yes in the morning. You've got it out of the way. But then watch this. And right in the middle of his message, he stopped and he looked at the camera. He said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but somebody's watching this right now. And God told you that you need to move to Texas. And when you give God your yes, he's gonna make sure everything happens for you. And he went right back to his message. When you're trusting and you're believing God, and that's no exaggeration, that's no lie, I'm not making this up, that's, this really happened. He said, I don't even know why I'm saying this, but you're supposed to move to Texas. If you say yes, God's gonna make everything happen for you. My wife just started running. See, I told you, I told you. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what they always do, husbands? I told you so. No. But she did tell me. And so at that moment, with tears running down my face, I said, all right, God, if this is where we're supposed to go, I'm saying yes. Two weeks later, the head of HR came to Charlotte uh, to, to meet me specifically, had some things going on to meet me specifically. And she said, hey, listen, we've got this position, this manager position open in uh, San Antonio. Um, it'll be a lateral move, but we, kind of, we want you to take, you know, take a look at it. Take your family down there, go for about a week. You've got your credit card, get a car, hotel, all that stuff, pay for your food. Just have fun, enjoy it for a week. Come back and let us know what you want to do. We came back after that week and said, okay, we're going to move. She said, when can you move? I said, when do you need us to move? Can you move next month? Yeah, we'll be there. And they paid for everything, took care of everything to get us here. And watch this, what happens, and this has nothing to do with my message, but I believe it's helping someone. When I get, we gave God our yes, the very last day before we moved, when we were moving our things out, the very last day, we were like, God, nobody's got come and rent our house. We had it on, on, you know, on the market. Nobody bought it. You know, God, you're going to have to make this happen for us. The last day, it was about five or six o'clock at night. We were packing up and somebody came and knocked, or um, actually our, our property management company called us and said, hey, somebody's looking to rent your house. And I was like, oh, awesome. When, when, when can they come by? They want to stop by right now. We're like, Okay, absolutely. Got our house rented out the very last day before we left, all because we gave God our yes. When you make that daily choice, when you make that, when you give God your yes, and I know, I believe that God used Wells Fargo to get me here to be, for, be here to a tree of life. I know it. Because when you know how God works, then you know that this was all in his divine plan for my life. And so he used Wells Fargo to get me here for this moment right here. Praise God. So you have to make a daily choice. Pastor Cody said last week that Jesus has already defined the type of relationship that he wants to have with you. He's waiting for you to respond. 
Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And he says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Commitment call, uh, 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 pushes you to change your mind, to think about things differently. You've got to renew your mind if you're going to be committed to Jesus. And let's just be honest. We all can step up our commitment level. Every one of us. And our relationship with God and our, our dealings, our workings here at church and serving, being in groups and different things of that nature, in your own marriage, your own relationships, in your, in your, at your job, we can all step up our commitment level in some area. Commitment requires a daily choice. And then listen to this. Commitment often requires that you stand alone. It often requires that you stand alone. When I started that fitness journey, I had a couple guys that, that worked out with me. And one of the guys is, is in here right now. I'm not going to call him out. But he's, got, he's, he's gotten back on the wire lately. But he was going, they were going, we were all going faithfully together. But then life happened and different things happened and they, you know, they had to stop going for various different reasons. But do you think that made me stop? Because my commitment level was not based on their commitment level. My commitment level was based on my commitment level. Whether you're committed or not, it's not going to change whether I'm going to stay committed because I'm working for something. I'm working towards something. I've got a goal that I'm trying to reach. And in order for me to reach that goal, I can't wait on you. I've got to be committed based on me. And when you commit it, so often commitment causes you to sometimes stand by yourself. But listen, it's okay. And what you'll notice is that as you remain committed, that per, those people that were walking alongside of you, they'll still see that you're committed and they're going to come back and say, you know what, I'm sorry. You know, man, you're still going. Man, that's good. That's awesome. And your commitment level is going to be a testimony to them and it's going to give them encouragement to keep going. Oftentimes, commitment requires you to stand alone. And then lastly, commitment requires a price. Matthew 19, 21, 22, Jesus told him, he said, you want to be perfect? You want to be mature? Go sell everything that you have. Give it all up and then come and follow me. And you saw the, the rich man went away sad because he's like, I got so much money. I don't want to give all this stuff up. It requires you, a, it requires a price. You've got to give up something. Jesus knew exactly why he was sent to this earth and he had to wait 30 years before he started ministry. 30 years before in preparation and working as a carpenter and all of these different things. So 30 years before he started in his ministry, before he started to fulfill exactly what God put him on this earth for. 30 years. It required a price. It required a commitment level. Can you say commitment? 30 years for a three-year ministry. Commitment requires a price. And then commitment... When we look at it sometimes, it's often something for someone else to do because it interferes with our schedule. We see commitment as something that somebody else to do. Those ushers, they got it. I don't need to serve. They're good. Those greeters out there, man, you see all those greeters out there this morning? They're good. I don't have to go and serve. Those kids workers, man, they've got, they've got a lot of kids workers over there. They're good. I don't have to serve. I'm good. It interferes with my schedule. God's saying there is more. 
He's giving you some gifts. He's giving you some talents. He's giving you something. Every, every person in this room has a purpose. You have a purpose that God has destined you for. You've got some life that you're supposed to impact, be it here, be it over in the kids. And we're just talking about the local church right now because you're supposed to impact lives in the world as well. But be it over in the kids, in the student ministries, out in the parking lot, there, God has placed you here to impact a life. Take your gifts take your talents. He loves you so much and pour that love that he's poured on you onto somebody else. Ask yourself these questions. What am I committed to? And what am I refusing to commit to? Am I totally committed to God in every area of my life or am I conveniently committed to him for the sake of my comfort or ease? Think about it. And then ask yourself, what is holding me back from moving from convenience to commitment? And what am I going to do about it? God is asking you that question. What's causing you, what's holding you back from moving from convenience to commitment? And what are you going to do about it? Now that you hear the word, you've got to do something. You've got to respond. As we get ready to close, Jesus had a total commitment to us. Again, I told you 30 years, three decades. It kind of sounds longer when you say three decades. Three decades, 30 years, Jesus was committed. He was totally committed to you. And if you don't remember anything, remember this last thought. The most that he could do was die for us the least that we can do is live for him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The most Jesus could do was die for you. And the least that you can do is live for him. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.